With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven. While the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook, just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A dot com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala dot com. Afternoon. My name's Kevin Graham and welcome to the Wednesday Axon Bulletin. On a Wednesday I'm joined by James Mackenzie. James, how's things happening? I'm doing good. Uh, off the back, a comfortable victory against Aberdeen. But here, a two-man show. Mr. Bigden's <laughs> absent for Thursdays, not Thursdays, Fridays from now on. So I know nice he, show. He, he's, he's resigned from the Wednesday team. Scared them away and, again. I, uh, that's what I was just saying to you before we came on, James. It's something it must be something to do with me. I think he chased everybody away. I didn't again. We had Colin and now Brian's disappeared, and I'm, I'm getting to feel like I need to change my my deodorant or something like that. I don't know what's going on. Um, I really didn't again what's going on. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, Lord Ben Kulshay comes and resigned or pushed. Well, he's moved to the Friday. He must think that's a better gig than the Wednesday, lads. So, we'll let him explain that on Friday when he's on on with Laura. And I, and I think we're going to I think we're going to see the return of Jamar on Friday, which I'm sure everybody will be over the moon at. I'm only kidding on Jim if you're watching. Jim's been on 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 like he's been eighty days around the world. I think I think Jim's been eh. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss, James. Eh, so we'll get 
Uh, I, I'm going to bring up uh, Red Scott and about Stevie. Stevie wants to come back on and he will be back on. He's just no affair with the technology. Uh, he's just no affair with the technology. But the next time that he's doing it at the studio, he will definitely be on. Uh, he will definitely be on, be on the bullet in red. So don't worry about that. Uh, Paddy Laverty, he actually brings up a great point here, Paddy. Aye, it's ever since I've done that poem about the parkied pies that uh, Brian's disappeared. You've got a that point there, Paddy. That, 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 was, that was the last straw, I think. Eh? Uh, anyway, we played Aberdeen on Sunday, half past four kickoff. I was very happy it was a half past four kickoff because I was in Inverness on the Saturday night and it gave me time to get down from Inverness to go to the game. Um, what was your actual review? What, what, what did you think about the game, James? Eh, I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was a decent performance for Celtic. I've seen some criticism of it, but I think that's more to do with people were perhaps expecting Aberdeen to be like they were last season, which they were absolutely terrible last season, but they've had a complete overhaul and they look, they've looked pretty sharp in pre-season under Jim Goodwin, so it was natural that they were going to get a few chances and I think it's going to be good for Celtic to face maybe a bit of a tougher opposition compared to other Scottish teams. That'll give us maybe a bit of a a bit of an edge heading into their games, but the, the, I thought the full stadium display was absolutely stunning. What, what did you make of the display? It was utterly brilliant to be part of it. Uh, obviously, where I'm on, I'm, I'm in section 412, so I could only see like the Celtic end, which was the, 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 the league flag. I couldn't really make it what was in the north stand, and I kind of thought, when it was actually happening that the streamers that they were dropping over the top tier were at the side of a cup, but again that the again that you can't see it. But I listened to the Celts Down Under podcast this morning and I think it was Sean uh, if I'm wrong there, lad, sorry. Sean's in Japan and he says it made the back pages of the Japanese news. The, the the Japanese the Japanese papers had the tifo on on the back pages and that just shows you the worldwide appeal especially in that part of the world for Celtic now James and when again Sahane once again the fans stepped up we were asked to contribute to it we contribute we contribute to it and it's made us it's made Europe sit up and take notice of the cathedral. That is Celtic Park on a match day. And even you'll never walk alone and all of that. It's just pure theatre. That's all it is. And I don't think there's a better stadium in the world, but then I'm utterly biased with that. But once again, hats off to the fans who organised it, because it was the fans who organised it, the fans that played, uh, paid for it. And I just hope the club didn't go and make money off it like they done with the 125 display as well, eh? with selling yeah, big prints and all of that. Eh? I, I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, whenever the fans need to stand up and sort of show Celtic to the world, they always they always produce. It was absolutely stunning. And there's been so many over the last ten years that they're just gonna live long in the memory as well. There's so been so many iconic displays over the years, and that's just a testament to the fans. And the thing is, James, there's no money that we get wrong. There's no money that actually go wrong. There has been a couple which especially if they're hanging stuff over the, the top tier, if the wind's coming a different direction, it's, it's knacker, eh? But there hasn't been too many when you've actually had a look at it and went, what's that meant to say? You know what I mean, yeah. eh? <laughs> there's, it's been, there's, it's been very rare. It's been very, very rare that stuff hasn't worked. Eh? And that that's a credit to the talented lads in the North Curve. It really is. 
Yeah, they, they do so much work for the club and it's just all for the fans. Everything they do, the money they make goes right back into making these displays for the club and they help to make Celtic Park have the atmosphere it has. You saw during the games last season where they weren't there. It was, I don't mean to sort of be negative, but it was a bit of a shell of what it usually would be during some of those games. It led to some sort of negativity amongst the fans as well, but as soon as they came back, the Celtic Park was rocking again. I mean, it does, eh? and I think what you've got to remember is there's been an ultra section, a Green Brigade section in that corner since 2006 now. So that's for 16 years that we've had a corner of the ground which has maybe been more ferocious than other parts of the ground. Because you can remember before... Celtic Park was like a library at times, apart from really, really big games. And the lads do actually like create an absolute brilliant atmosphere. I know some people have got a wee bit of a gripe with some of the songbook, but that's a discussion for a whole other podcast and a whole other day. Uh, podcast out of that. Oh, you, you would never get to the end of that argument, James. We would never, we, we, we would never, we would, we would never get to the end of that argument, uh, the songbook argument, eh? Um, and as Beach Boy comes in and actually says, the pre-match entertainment needs to be on every week. Create the atmosphere, make it a good day out. Even Grace before the game was amazing. I must admit, I must admit, Beach Boy, I was really surprised that Liam McGandles uh, got was allowed to sing Grace on the side of the pitch. Um, and then let the people sing because uh, it's maybe a wee bit close to the bone. Maybe. I don't think it is, but for those who don't know what the song's about, they could maybe just see it as a wee bit close to the bone, but it was fantastic. It was great entertainment, and I thought the team started off well. Um, yeah. I thought we started off well, but I really did think at half time. I really did think we were really sloppy and we had to improve in the second half. Yeah, it was almost as if the sort of electricity from the pre-match stuff from the fans carried on to the players because it was a very, very fast start. I thought we looked very impressive. Stephen Welsh got the early header early on, but then maybe the last sort of 20 minutes of the first half, he saw Aberdeen grown more into the game. And if Johnny Hayes converts that chance, then the game could have been a whole different story. But as the first game of the season, it's natural that they would some chances may slip through the cracks, but we kept a clean sheet at the end of the day and we sort of steamed off a tough opposition. So I think there's only positive to take from the game. Uh, there is a positive to take for the game. I mean, in the first half, and we're going to get this because the tagline is, I'll be seeing a, hard, a harder edge to post a call and I may as well go into that just now because it was probably referring to the first half more than anything. During pre-season, there was a couple of times where he, where he was saying that he, that he was making no excuses by the fact it was pre-season and he was going, there's things that we need to improve. And when the game, I think you saw the difference on Sunday between pre-season and a competitive game. The intensity of the game went up and you could see that there was still rustiness there. But then right away, straight after the game, Postacoglu comes out and goes, I'm not having that as an excuse. We've, got, we've, we've actually got to take those chances. And I found it a different message for what he would probably have put out, not at this time last year, because we were another, we were another mess at this time. Uh, uh, we were another mess at this time last year. But 
I just think he, his tone and his message has changed. And I think it is like, if you think last, last year was good enough, you're wrong. I want more from these and you really need to improve. And I think we could actually see a, we see a bit more criticism, as if we can call it that, in the pre-match, pre, in the post-match, in the post-match than what we saw last year. I feel like Ange has always been very honest, very blunt, very upfront with the fans and everything he's said in the pre-match, post-match press conferences, whatever he's had to speak. And that's why so many fans taint him so early and trusted in the process because he was honest with us. And I think there was sort of room for excuses. A bit of a, a bit of leeway last season considering the position we were in, but now I think we're in a much better position to be prepared to take on the new season. I'd say we're perhaps the best prepared team in Scotland. I think we are. And, and he's not going to sort of have any room for excuses to anybody, any sort of passengers in the team. Everybody's got to play their part and stamp their authority on the games. And it's, it's good that we're still getting the honesty from Ange. It is, and, and I'm not decrying. When I obviously got back from the game on Sunday and I saw his comments, I went, well, I completely agree with those comments because in the first half, I was really, really frustrated with Jota, I was frustrated with Maeda, I was frustrated with O'Reilly and I was frustrated with Atati. The amount of times that we created decent chances in the box and we just never pulled the trigger, we just never had a shot, we were trying to walk the ball into the back of the net, really, really annoyed me. And I thought our front six could have been doing far, far more in that first half. And that was exasperated by, by the time we actually got to, we lost control of the game 10 minutes before half time. And really, Johnny Hayes should have equalised. Johnny yeah. Hayes should have really equalised and that could have changed the tone of the game. I don't think it would have. I think we would have just blew them away in the second half because we had a lot a lot in the rocker. But it's really hammering home to us. We're stepping up a level in four weeks' time when we go into that Champions League and we can't be as wasteful. And I think that's the message that Posta Coglu's trying to get across. Yeah, we need a, perhaps a bit more of a cutting edge in the front few, that was the story of last season as well. I think Andrew's seen it time and time again. We've got to be taking more chances, take more of our chances. Because there were so many times last season where, oh, if we score this goal, if we score that goal, then this game could have turned out differently. But on Jota, I made a point the last time I was on the podcast, last Wednesday, that I think Jota's more effective from the left. Even though he starts from the right, he's more effective from the left. And we saw that he had a rather quiet first half. But as soon as he switched to the left, in the second half, he was immense, cutting in onto that right foot. We saw it for the goal in particular. He holds off Polvara. It was a pile driver. It was the only way to describe that goal. I rolled it right into the top corner. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And it shows that Jota could be stronger on the left. I don't know if you want to drop Maeda and maybe play a bad on the right, but I think if you want Jota in the team, I think he's better suited on the left. I find that the number of times you see him that he cut, cuts in for the left, James, and the ball ends up in the stand. And yeah, that was a fantastic goal. I want to see more of that. I really do want to see more of that from Jot. It was one aspect of his game when we actually signed him last season, that when we actually signed him this season, that says he needs to improve his goal scoring. And his goal scoring record was great, but there was a number of times where he just seems to actually take a a mad swing at the ball when, when he, he should be more calm and composed. I, I would expect that for a guy I've spent £6 million on. Then on, on the other hand, 
if he could do that every week, we wouldn't have gotten for six million pounds. It'd be worth a, it would actually be worth a lot more, James. Eh? So swings and roundabouts here, but I expect him to do that. No, every week, but I expect him to score goals for the edge of the box the amount of times that he does cut in. Is he better for the left hand side? I, I think in the modern game, it's inverted wingers. Eh? You're used to seeing inverted wingers cutting inside. We've been used to that under Rodgers, we're used to that under Neil Lennon, and I don't know whether it's just a trick of the mind that you think that he's better on the on the left-hand side. The thing is, James, that Poster Coglu swaps the wingers over for what looks like every 15, 20 minutes anyway. So, both games. What I really, I think, right, I'm going to say this, I think everything we done well was doing the left-hand side on on Sunday. And that was mainly because of Greg Taylor. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't think Juranovic had a great game. And the fact is, Jota looked better on the, on the left-hand side because of Greg Taylor and the way that he was playing the inverted full-back on that side. Yeah, I thought, the two full-backs, if anyone looked like they were getting chased for 20 million from Atletico Madrid, it was Greg Taylor. <coughs> I thought... He had some cover passes, and he was part of the reason why the backline was so strong. Um, I thought Greg Taylor was very good. He goes under the radar because he, Greg Taylor isn't exactly the flashy name that many people think of, but he's so consistent that I think people really need to start taking notice. And just on Juranovic as well, um, he played ahead of Anthony Ralston. I thought, I didn't think he was bad. There was a few misplaced passes, but whenever they was tested with someone running at him at the back, I thought he was fairly solid. It, it was solid. I'm not saying he was absolutely ranked rotten. I'm just saying everything that Celtic done really, really good in the game came down the left-hand side. Yeah. And that, that's because Taylor was having a really, really good good game. Uh, as was, well, Atati was involved as well. But even though, I mean, that, some people were saying Atati was fantastic. I thought he was quite wasteful at times, but that's because he takes risks. He'll, he'll try that risky pass to try and break open a defence, which is utterly brilliant. But I still thought that we were trying to score the perfect goal. And that was a problem in the that was a problem in the first half. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. On June 3rd, Washington, D.C. will host the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Out of the Darkness Overnight Walk. For the last 20 years, people have described the overnight as one of the most powerful experiences of their lives. Now is the perfect time for you to join us as people from all over the country come together to send a message of love and hope. Walk over 16 miles from dusk till dawn to raise funds and awareness for suicide prevention. See the landmarks of Washington, D.C. by moonlight. Form lasting friendships, experience healing, and bring hope to those affected by suicide. Join us. Be a part of something extraordinary. June 3rd in Washington, D.C. Register today at theovernight.org or call 888-THE-OVERNIGHT. That's theovernight.org or 888 888- Eight four three six eight three seven. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than five G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Yeah, I don't think Hatate was as incredible as it was in pre-season, but most of the sort of bright bits of play that Celtic were involved in the first half, in the midfield, in the final third, Rio Hatate was involved in most of all of them. He just he was doing what was asked of him, and I thought he was really solid as well. I don't think there was any sort of bad or mediocre players in the park, but no, I thought it was really fine. No, no, I, I'm not saying that there was there, there was guys who I just thought I expected more from, and that's just that that's just me. Uh, Brian you know, not everybody can be a not everybody can be a sort of eight out of ten, nine out of ten performance. I think. Oh, I know everybody that. puts in a seven out of ten performance for the first game of the season. I'm I'm fairly fine with that. There are some guys, and I, I, I remember I got slaughtered for this. There are some guys who sometimes, if they're a seven out of ten every week, they're great in the team. Sometimes you just need guys that are consistent and just produce a certain level of performance, and they make the team balanced. They, Brian Murphy, and just right, we 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 are wasteful in front of goal. Even Yakamaka came on and he missed. I would say two sitters anyway. Uh, Gary yeah, Oliver, massive opportunity to make it three 0 Ah, he did, he did. Gary Oliver and just extra grumpy and short with everything just now. Something appears to be bothering him. You think Gary's looking a bit too much into that? Yeah, I think, I think it's looking a bit too much and I think it's Anne's just wanting the best from his team. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's just actually making the players do not get complacent. And yeah. it was interesting, I went back and read the stuff about Harry Kuehl that I must have missed during pre-season as well. And the reason that he brought in Harry Kuehl was because he wanted a different voice on the training pitch so the players don't get into, like, don't think everything's going to stay the same forever. Eh? And it was really interesting to hear Carl McGregor going on about Harry Kuehl saying he likes to tell us how good a player he was. I found that quite, <laughs> <laughs> I found that quite funny as well and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the B team even though it doesn't look like they've had a decent start uh, with Stephen McManus going down there as well and taking what Postacoglu's trying to implement in the first team down to the B, down to the B side as well but it looks like they're kind of struggling to adjust at this precise moment in time going by, the, going by their start in the low one league What was the score last night with the civil service for the B team do you know? I don't know I don't know. Yeah, I'll catch it. I think it might be nil nil or one nil. I'm sure somebody will tell us in the in, in the comments. Did they no draw at the weekend? Did they draw with? I know. I know that they were a uh, draw with Cowden Beef, eh, but I'm not too sure. I'm the, I'm just waiting to see if somebody comes in with the comment co- comments on that. Uh, I'm sure somebody will come in. Two nil. Uh, two nil one. Two nil one. Well, there they go. I'm saying they're doing terrible in the one two nine last night. Eh? Uh, Johnny Ryan, usual contributor to the Wednesday squad. Every player knows what is required. If if not, you're out. That's a good thing as well. Eh? It's just showing that Postacoglu's got that high standards. Uh, Alan Robertson's probably agreeing with us here, James. I think we overplayed in aspects in the first half, trying to score the perfect goal. Jota's goal may have come from a word with fans to stop over playing and take a shot. He did shoot and score. That's something as that's something as well. It really annoyed me about Matt O'Reilly and Atati. A couple of times they burst into the box and I'm just going, just bang it. Just you put your put your laces through the ball, get it in the back of the net, get two nothing up. Then we can try and get the game done and dusty. Then we can try and score. 
the perfect goalie. But there seems to be still that wee bit of like doubt when they get to the edge of the box and I'm taking a shot, taking a shot. Yeah, but if a lot of the times the chance wasn't really on either, we'd be saying that it was sort of wasteful at the same time if they were to hit a shot, it was to ricochet off a defender and get cleared away. I thought Matt O'Reilly, he didn't really have that many opportunities to score himself for me, to be honest, but he kept things moving forward, constantly was involved in play around the box. From the set piece for Stephen Welsh's goal, I thought he was absolutely brilliant delivery as well, right on Stephen Welsh's head, and it was a composed header. I thought Matt O'Reilly was pretty good. Aye, it was a a decent cross. It was a decent cross. Again, it's maybe just our expectations were too high for the first game of the season, and it it could well be that. And and I think we played a lot of nice football. Apart from a 10-minute spell, we never looked... Uh, we, we never looked in, in really any danger, but I can understand where Poster Coggle's coming from when he says we were wasteful in front of goals, because no matter how, how great we are to watch and how great we are to the final third, we're not going to create 15, 20 chances in every game. We're not going to create, there's going to be games where we're only going to get three, four, five chances, and we've got to at least take one of them to actually, because goals do change games. And that early goal, that, that early goal on Sunday, unless the world was going to collapse round about us, James, as soon as we went one nothing up, that was it, game over. Mm. That, that early, it, it was game over. Aberdeen weren't going to change their tactics after that. And for me, as soon as we scored that early, it was a case of how many were we going to score. And I didn't like being that big heated and arrogant, but the way if we, uh, the way that we that we are now, you go well. If we score early doors, it's either going to take a massive collapse. It's going to take a massive collapse for us for the opposition to come back in. Because that's been the story for Celtic for years. We get the early goal. The other team has to open up a bit so they can try and get an equaliser. Then the floodgates open and the goals sort of start to pile on. It's, I don't think you'd be wrong for having those sort of expectations. But then again, it's the first game of the season. Aberdeen have just had a very good preseason. They played loads of games in the Premier Sports Cup, so I, I thought they looked. I, I thought Aberdeen looked pretty good defensively as well. Kyogo didn't really get that very sort of sights of goal, but I still thought he was doing well at shutting the back line down. And he, I still thought his work rate looked really good. But the big Aberdeen centre back, the new man they signed, I'm not sure. I think it was Richardson. I'm, that might be the right back. I might be getting confused, but I thought he kept. He'll go pretty quietly. I don't know, but even when we brought Yakimakis on, I thought the strikers still didn't really get a lot of chances in there. It's amazing the amount of changes that Aberdeen have had for last season, eh? Mainly. Yeah, we're so used to Aberdeen having the same sort of names because I've had the same Aye. sort of squad for about five or six years, but now it's completely overchanged. It's good ones had to have the overhaul after the season they had last season. And I, I think. I'm one of the people who think Aberdeen are going to have a pretty good season, maybe top five in the league this season. Oh, you would, oh, come on, you would hope to think Aberdeen wouldn't be top five with the budget that they've got. Mm, I mean, yeah, in Scotland, you've, got, you've yeah. got to say with their budget that them, them Hibs, Hearts and Aberdeen should be fighting for third place with, with the yeah. budget they've got. And anything below that is an absolute utter failure. I don't know about Hibs. That, that game against Johnson they played was... Absolute snooze fest, and that was just for me watching the highlights. I was ready to fall asleep. 
Aye, uh, well, Hibs, I mean, I've seen a couple of interviews with Lee Johnson and he, and he actually looks like a, an accountant that's been lit out on a stag night with some of his, uh, like, some, some, some of his uh, attire that he's wore, the suit jacket and the jeans and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still no absolutely that. stunned that they went for Lee Johnson over John Dal Thomason. It, it would have been great for Scottish football just because he's a good guy. But he's a good manager as well, so I, I, I'm absolutely stunned because Hibs they turned him down. He didn't turn them down. Hibs turned him down. Aye, aye. Thomason's ended up in the English Championship. Yeah, that, but, that blew but, my mind when I saw that. I mean, Vincent Company's in the English Championship. It just shows you the amount of money that's down there to attract the, the, these these. Big names. I mean, as you say, Tom, Thomas, and I mean, he would have a chance to come to Scotland, or, or does he want to take a club? When was the last time Blackburn were in the English Premier League? 2009, 10, 10 11. So, there haven't been anywhere near the English Premier League for a little while. They're a basket case of a club with their owners based in India. Look at the way that Tony Mobley left at the end of last season. He had them challenging for a playoff place and they fell away. It's a basket. It's a basket case here, Cobb. Vincent Company comes and probably could have got a Premiership job, but ends up going to Burnley. Burnley relegated for the English Premier League, got serious financial problems, and like Lou lost a couple of good players, and he's expected to actually get them up. It's it's a cutthroat league down there, and I just I'm surprised the number of managers. Well, I'm not surprised because everybody's desperate for a job, but. A, man, a manager failing in the English Championships is no, no that big a deal because there's at least 14 or 15 of them will actually lose their job before the end of the season anyway. Yeah, so the, the, the expectations are just so high down there, especially considering the playoff is considered the most expensive game in football just because of the TV revenue you get when you go up to the Premier League. There's so much expectation down there. Ah, there is, there is. Uh, let's see. Ridiculous. Uh, love it. The last thing we need is a delusional cheerleader for a manager. That's true. It was one thing that we we, we all all know when a manager's talking utter rubbish mm. when, when he comes into a post match and you go, well, "Were you watching a completely different game from us?" Because that's not what I saw. But then sometimes managers can actually point out things that when you take them, they have to look at it. They they take their emotion of the fan away. And sometimes they'll point things out to you. And if you ever go back and watch again, without the emotion of the in real time, sometimes you look back on a game and you go, actually, we were really, really comfortable there, depending on the like the result. I, I remember watching a game last season against St. Johnson and I thought we were utterly rubbish against St. Johnson. We ended up winning 2 nothing. Then when I went back and watched the whole game again, I went... By the way, we were really, really comfortable there and never in any danger and no losing the three points. Mm. So sometimes managers can point things out to you. The thing I like about Ange, though, is he's honest, but he never throws his players under the bus. He never singles anybody out unlike other managers. So that he tells it how it is, but it doesn't have a really negative effect on the players either, which is is really good for us. Beach boys... Uh, and just cut for the same cloth as Pep, Klopp and Jose. When they do well, they say they did okay. When they need called out, he will call them out. 
Jose Mourinho's, but he's a master at chucking his team under the bus, though, ain't he? Mm. And then sometimes at other clubs, the players chucked him under the bus as well. Uh, go Aye. both ways with him. Be really interesting to see how he does it. He does it, Roma this year. Um, Dubai is an absolutely fantastic signing for Roma. On a free as well. I know, I know. Peter MG, nothing bothering him. It's just, it's just like I keep repeating that he has said this season would be bigger and better, so his demands are higher. That's all I think it is, Peter. I really just think that he's just letting his squad know that his demands have went up, and he expects more of them now. They've had a year of. Posta Coglu, I'm not calling it Ange, Paul. There's no way I'm going anywhere near that saying. Uh, they've had a year, they've had a full pre-season and he's expecting more more for them and that's exactly what I think it is. You know, there's nothing wrong with having high expectations either. We're always told the second, the first season will be the roller coaster ride then the second season will be the enjoyable season. So we'll, we'll just wait and see how it goes. Ange is clearly showing the demands he has. The players know the demands that the fans have, the, the expectations that everybody has. So we'll just see if they can meet them. Uh, definitely. Paddy Lavery, Paddy Lavery comes in. Going to an evening with Joe Muller and Kevin Sheedy on Friday night, can he wait? Paddy, they could have been teammates. Maybe ask Kevin Sheedy about the story at the time that he nearly signed for Celtic. And I'm sure it will be quite an interesting tale. I'm sure Paul, who's in the background, will probably be able to tell us a story about Kevin Sheedy nearly staying for uh, signing for Celtic. I can't really remember it, but I'm sure I'm sure Joe Muller and Kevin Sheedy could have been teammates. Uh, last thing about Sunday's game, and it's about the Aberdeen fans. And now Aberdeen brung a fair travel and support with them. Uh, I think they must have sold out the their eleven hundred tickets, but there was a section of them who had the IQ of pe- of frozen penguin pee, and they, they, they and they decided and decided to think that banter about child abuse and food poverty is acceptable at football games. No, I'm all for football banter. I mean, it happens, eh? But this is absolutely moronic and actually shows that they've got a lack of IQ and a lack of creativity if that's the only thing that they can actually think about slagging Celtic about. I mean, I did have a wee chuckle when they started singing Cheerio to 10 in a row. I mean, I, 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 did, I did have a wee chuckle at that, eh, going, aye, that, that, that's quite good, but I mean, the last time they were a force was in the 1980s and the majority of the support were rustling sweeties and wearing flares, eh? I, I, I'm, I'm just fed up. We get called out quite, sometimes quite rightly, sometimes quite wrongly about the songbook, but it's about time Scotland, as a society, started calling out using child abuse and food poverty as banter, because it is not banter to everybody that's been grossly affected be be those two things, and we will speak about the child abuse once all the, all the cases are over. Once it's out of court, we will speak about it. But as there's a live court case going on, we cannot speak about it. But I don't think anybody will be surprised on the takes that we have in private on yeah. what, what what is happening. But I, I don't think it should be used as banter. I think there's other ways that the that, that the sheep. So I'll call them sheep. I'll go down to the right childish thing and I'll call them sheep. I mean, just be better sheep, man. Don't he be bams? 
just be, be more creative with your banter, man. Yeah, there's That's... been efforts to try and crack down on those sort of singing. I remember... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. When the famine song was getting sung, I think it was on the way to the Scottish Cup semi-final. I think a few people got arrested, but still, it's not enough. There's got to, there's got to be more done to try and crack down on these songs because it, it, it just looks bad for the game. It just looks low and desperate. It doesn't reflect good on anybody at all. It's just disgusting. It, it's... The, the, they use the lowest common denominator to try and offend. So they think that the the more loud that they are and the more like war that they go and the more risky the subject, then they're being funny. No, you are not being funny. Yeah, I mean, it, makes, funny. it makes yourselves look worse than the people that you're trying to... You're trying to embarrass them by singing these songs, but you're just making yourself look worse. You're going to be the people that get called out eventually. So why why sing these songs? It's something that we get everywhere we go. And it's even online and it's even... Aye, we know what happened at our football club. We know. But it's nothing to do with us. That, that, that's the bottom line. It's nothing to do with me and you, James. It's nothing to do with the 60,000 season ticket holders that are there. The folk who who prep... Who, that these crimes will hopefully get their punishment and the victims will hopefully get closure to a horrible, horrible period for them. But it's not it's not it's not our fault, you know what I mean? So I'm I'm going to move on because I didn't want to give any more time to the sheep and their and their support. So I'll move on to Neil Doncaster. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Neil, Neil Doncaster, the man that's got the personality of a dried up puddle, was in was in uh, was in the papers the other day or online uh, the other day, going on how he's going to crack down on boozers showing uh, illegal streams of Scottish Premier League games. As Celtic travel up to Ross County on Dingwall on Saturday, and only. And only 1,400 Celtic fans will be able to see the game legally because Neil, Mr. Doncaster 
signed the worst TV deal in history and Sky Sports are not interested in Scottish football. And we can't watch this game legally because of absolutely incompetence of the people who run the Scottish game. Yeah, you would surely want Scottish football to be more accessible for everybody. We see complaints about ticket prices, away ticket prices, but there was also when COVID was at its peak and nobody could get into the games, there was the massively overpriced subscription services. They they were charging games by pay-per-view. Who's going to pay pay-per-view? Who's going to pay £15 pay-per-view to see Livingston against Munn at 7.45 on a Wednesday night? Nobody is. You want to bring as many eyes to Scottish football as possible, so stop trying to make it hard to access. People are going to need to use some nefarious methods now to try and find the Celtic Ross County game, which it shouldn't be. People shouldn't have to go to those sort of levels to try and find a way to watch their favourite team. It's, we should try to be encouraging as many eyes on Scottish football as possible and we're doing all the wrong things to get more eyes on the sport. I'm just going to go back two seconds before I come, come back to that, James. I'm just going to bring up Red Scotland here. Yes, Pete, no matter what words, they cannot be banned for the prices to create. Any free society needs to have free speech. There can be no exceptions or there is no free. I agree, Red, but you've got to call it out. If you want free speech, there's got to be consequences to what you're actually saying. That's that's just what I'm... Hopefully, I've just done that in the last five minutes. Uh, I mean, Ross County last year sold the pay-per-view for this game, and I'm sure they made a pretty penny for it. I mean, I mean, the fact that they have, like, Celtic, they only give Celtic 1,400 tickets when their stadium's going to be lying half empty really annoys me. The fact that Scottish football's got a lot of small-mindedness which sees empty stands left, right and centre, and there's also a small-mindedness for a business sense that the Scottish League are not allowing Ross County to sell PPV for this game. And they say they want to crack down on people watching illegal streams. The fact is, people are watching illegal streams because they want to watch the product, which I think is absolutely rubbish. They want to watch the product. That's why people are watching illegal streams. So give them a legal way of watching these streams. I mean, for me, it's simple. There's a demand there. Feed the demand. Yeah, I've always thought maybe having something like on... Amazon Prime, or you know how how on ESPN when the basketball's on, you can flick through and you can watch any game you want, all on this sort of pass, this monthly subscription service. If Scottish football was to have a service like that, where you pay a certain amount a month and you get all the games, you can watch any game you want, I think everybody would buy those. I mean, if it was the right price, everybody would buy those, I think. Having a service like that, a subscription service just for Scottish football, the SPFL, would be absolutely brilliant. It is. Uh, who's that? Yeah, there it is. Uh, uh, Angelo Tyro. I'd like to see Paramount Plus or Optus pick up Scottish Premiership, uh, Premiership rights. Enough Aussies playing there nowadays. I mentioned that. Uh, uh, I mentioned at the start, at James, that the Celtic Tifo ended up on the back of Japanese newspapers, right? So. I'm pretty sure that the the, the Japanese will be able to see Celtic at Ross County, while someday, while someday for Stirling, won't they be able to see Celtic against Ross County because 
uh, of some ancient archaic rules which actually need uh, like that actually need changed. I know clubs will go like that. Aye, but it'll just stop people coming to the games. If I had a ticket for Ross County on on, on Saturday, I would be going to the game. No matter if I could buy a stream, I would be going to the game. I haven't got a ticket for Ross County on Saturday, so I'm looking for a way to watch my football team play. The only way I'm going to watch my football team play is through an illegal method. If there was a legal method there, then I would consider, I'm going to say consider, I would consider paying the 10 quid or whatever it is for, for what it is. Surely, if anything comes out of the pandemic, these guys who are meant to have a business brain, an absolute business brain, and are meant to be all, all hell-bent on, like, on capitalisation of our, of our game, commercialisation of our game, surely they must be, uh, surely they must be thinking, go out, by the way, we could sell this for 15 quid a pop here and make ourselves some money. Yeah, there's, there's going to be people who are looking to watch the game. I mean, it's a Celtic game. When you look at Celtic stature in Scottish football, whenever they, Celtic, come calling to a team, they're looking forward to think of the money we're going to make in the tickets. Think of the money we can make. If you think we're going to make loads of money in the tickets, think how much money you can make by selling it as a pay-per-view. It's, there's money to be made here, and you're, they're missing great opportunities as well. As and uh, just Doctor Doctor Max, uh, have I just been caught out there? Maybe uh, I will be watching on Celtic TV. It's only legal way in Australia. Uh, Celtic TV is a great service for for fans abroad, but it's the the archaic rules of as I've already said in in Scotland and the lack of like forward thinking, progressive thinking um, yeah. that, that's stopping this happening. And a, a, a question I would like to ask a Sky TV is, why are they not showing the game? They are only interested in two teams. Yeah. They are only interested in two teams. And they didn't show the full quota of Scottish games last year either. I mean, they didn't show us at Ross County last season. They didn't show us at Easter Road as well, in, in one of the games as well. Are they just proving that they're just a Chris Boyd fan club and they're only interested in one football club? Is, yeah, it, is that what it is? I mean, it's, I mean, maybe somebody for Sky could come on and answer that. I don't know. What, what's the game at the weekend? What, what, what game are Sky showing? Are they, are, they scoring, are they showing a Scottish game at the weekend? Because English Premiership starts, eh? So, God knows. We know so where we, the priorities lie. So, so, we're rele- so we're relegated to the, the graveyard shifts once again, eh? Hmm. There's a good comment I've seen here from Wiki I don't know how I I don't think I can drag it up, but a WWE network style streaming service for the Scottish football system would be ideal. You get every game live and every game is on demand after the fact and you can have previous seasons too. The amount of people that would flock to buy that is insane. The Scottish football should really be looking out of this horrendous TV deal because it's only negative for the fans. I mean, I can't think of anybody who supports and enjoys this guy TV deal. I mean even the, the sort of coverage and the punditry itself just isn't very good. Well, at least BT had a dedicated hour of a nice wee Scottish football podcast. They had the Chris Sutton, Daryl Curry, and Ali McCoy. Mm-hmm. At least BT showed some sort of dedication to promoting Scottish football, but we've got nothing here on Sky. 
No, we'll have the Stuart Muller comes in. Uh, I can't watch the Ross County game. There's no way I can make the game. I have to watch for an illegal stream with the possibility of variants and scam pop-ups. Why is it not on Sky Sport? That's the question that we're, ask, uh, that we're asking. Uh, Tony Aiken, we have been made to break the law to watch our team. That, that, that is it. That is the bottom line. And, and you've got that numpty Doncaster coming out and going, hey, we're going to crack down on these illegal streams when there's no offer an alternative. Offer an alternative then, you numpty. Yeah. Offer an alternative and they wouldn't be flocking to these illegal streams. That's... And the pricing fans out of it as well with the astonishing prices they have to pay for the monthly subscriptions, which is why these pubs are turning to these different methods as well to try and oh. showcase the game. It's the pricing fans out of the game. Definitely. There's two there's two things I want to bring up here. I'm wanting to actually starve them. Eh? Paddy Lavert is the worst TV deal since they took Neighbours off the air. James, I can't, you were a big Neighbours fan. Well, my mum and dad watch it every night, so <laughs> I'm aware of Paul Robinson, but that's as far as my neighbour's knowledge goes. The last time I watched it, Bouncer the Dog was still alive. <laughs> um, and B, is that coming up? I don't trust Neil Doncaster's haircut. Great point, B. I didn't really trust uh, Neil Doncaster's hair. Oh, there we go. Mark Pearson comes in and tells us the Edinburgh Derby. That 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 that's getting shown at the weekend. So so there you go. Alan Robertson t- comes in about big guy Pierce. I'm no other. Are we going to sign Guy Pierce or? Oh, he was a neighbour, eh? That's right. Uh, I get it, I get it now. Right. Let's continue about the rampant commercialisation of Scottish football. And let's talk about Celtic's third cut. I love it. I don't want to talk about the third cut. I hate it. I absolutely love it. I think a third kit should be a front to your club's traditions. And I think this one is an affront to the club's traditions. It makes sense when you actually see the whole kit. And I can't wait for us to wear it against Kilmarnock, because that's where we'll wear it, I think. I think, I think, I think that will get a run out at, uh, at Rugby Park in a couple of weeks. No, I'll only buy it. I'm 46. I didn't buy football tops. I'm, I'm too old to be running about with a football top. Eh? But I can see my, 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 my wee man, my four-year-old running about in it and looking absolutely knocking it out the park. I wouldn't mind if it got the same treatment that the grey and pink top got for a few seasons ago when it didn't get worn in a single game at all. I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I love the away kit and I've grown to love the home kit as well. So if we if we could just stick to those and sorry, move that third kit over to the side, I wouldn't mind. I really wouldn't mind. Uh, McGrory does bring up bring in a good point. Uh, third kits are usually brought out for ladies pink purple. I I, rem- I remember I, I remember being in a room when they were discussing the pink kit, and there was loads of bizarre. Uh, ideas getting chucked about like an Ajax style kit a maroon away top and all of that eh? and I was going no no I didn't mind pink because it's completely out there but you can't bring in any colours of your rivals into it like whatsoever it's grey yellow and black it's got a great uh, room the sleeve the, which is a, the, the list of the stadium I don't mind the sleeve. I don't mind the sleeve, but it's just the actual design. I remember it got it got leaked maybe about three or four weeks ago, the colourway. And I saw that and straight away I didn't really have the highest hopes for the kit. 
But then it's, uh, I've seen like Hatati and Idiguchi were in the top, and I'm, I'm still not sold on it. Maybe I'll need well, to see O'Reilly and Jota in it to sell the kit to me. Maybe that'll convince me. Agree with Kev, a third AJSC technology. Agree with Kev, a third kit should be a bit punkish with a mad colour scheme. I think a third kit should be ludicrous because it is ludicrous having a third kit. Uh, it's because you didn't need a third kit. So if you're going to have a third kit, make it completely outlandish. And I think Celtic have done this, and I think Adidas have got this right. I was in the superstore before the game on, on Sunday, and I'm no liking the 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 remake of the 1992 kit, the, the away top. I'm, I'm no liking that at all when I've seen it close up. But I do like the home kit. I think the home kit's got a nice 1990s vibe, and it looks decent when you actually see it close up. Close up, the um, on certain people, uh, on some people who should not wear football kits anyway. But the ones who should wear football kits, like Wayne's and folk who are nice and fit and stuff like that, no, no fit that way. Like body-wise, fit like. No over but right. I'm I'm going to stop digging myself into a hole here. Right, I'm going to shut. It looks good on certain people. I didn't know where I was going myself. Eh? So I thought I, I thought I, <laughs> I thought I would better stop. Aye. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. When I first saw it, I was like, all right. Then I saw it with the shorts and the, and the, and the, and the socks. I went, that's a cracking cut. I really do like that as 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 a third kit. So, aye, aye, I like it, and I, I think a lot of folk didn't think I would have liked it. Eh? But I do like it. But as I say, I'm still not going to buy it. Still think they're like, extra. I think still think they're overpriced. Uh, you, wait the, you wait for the end of the season sales. I got the last season's away top for twenty five quid when I was at Celtic Park the other week. It's you wait for the green the, one. Uh, aye, the green one. Aye. It was thirty pound on uh, Sunday. I don't know when I was there for the Moy press. I did it at the superstore after. I got it for twenty five. So mm. I, must, I must have done well then. You must have done well because my, my daughter Hayden was was, was looking at it, eh, and it was thirty quid. And I went, I will leave it a couple of weeks, and it will be doing to twenty. Then I'll buy it. That's why. I, that's exactly what it is. Eh, I, I maybe would actually, I maybe actually would have bent if it was twenty five on Sunday, right enough. Maybe I got last season. I got the the third kit, the white one with the the pink and green stripes. I got that since it came out because I was a really big fan of that. And then I got the away top just a few weeks ago. Aye. As I say, my kids are only ones that get kits nowadays. Eh? I've, the, the last Celtic kit I bought was 2007. Eh, the 40th anniversary one. Eh, one in the league at Tannadice for Tommy Burns. That was the last Celtic kit I actually bought. Eh, so I, I'm probably the wrong, the wrong one to aim kids at. <laughs> I'm probably at, at kits at. Eh? So I'm, I'm just... But I, I do like it. Um Let's have another wee look. Some of the 
No transfer rumours, James. We haven't been linked with anybody for the last um, couple of day- days. I've got, I've got, a, I've, I've got a wee theory on that. Well, My theory is we're waiting to see what Rangers do in Europe, where they end up in Europe before we either dip into the loan market or buy someday permanently. I don't know. I think. I feel like we're past the point where Celtic look at how Rangers do and then aim to be just that wee bit better than them, just enough. I think last if last season showed anything, it shows that it isn't about being level or being just a wee bit better than Rangers. We had our job. As Anne said, uh, we, we were building our house in our neighbourhood. We're not going to look over the wall at what they're doing over there. Anne said that last season in one of his pressers. And I feel like we've still got the same sort of tunnel vision this season. We focus on our house, focus on building our wall, and then we can prepare them at the end of the season. I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not saying for an Ange Postacoglu point of view. I'm talking about from a budget point of view. Um I'm talking about a budget point of view. I'm thinking we're waiting to see what button we press on how much money is getting added to the budget or how if there's extra money going to get added to the budget. And we are watching what's happening across the city uh, very, 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 very closely. And there'll maybe be some guys... There's, there's maybe got to be some guys that are... Um, we're very happy at the results last night. Well, I'm I'm not getting too ahead of myself because I remember last season they would they would always lose away from home, but then they would turn it around at home. So I'm, I'm not getting too ahead of myself. But as as I said earlier, I think Celtic have got some tunnel vision. We're just focused on ourselves. I think we've not got any reason to look over our side of the pond. We've got the Champions League guaranteed to look forward to anyway. So we are preparing for Champions League football, we're not preparing to just barely pick Rangers to the title. We've we've got our own ambitions and we're going to be focusing on them and we're going to be building the best team possible to achieve those expectations and those ambitions. I'm maybe just mentally scared the 16 years of Peter Wall. <laughs> he's uh, gone now, but maybe the, her- the Herald are trying to... He's, never, he's never been gone. He's never been gone. And he's he, still... The, he's still the, I think it was the Herald saying why... Peter Law would be a perfect fit to become to take over for Ian Banker, which that, that's a worst case scenario. We need a strong chairman, and Peter Law is a strong personality, but it's completely the wrong look. Hmm. It's completely the wrong. We need a strong personality as chairman. I mean, Ian Banker, I mean, what is he going to be doing this week? He's going to be watching the Tory Hustons, reading the Daily Mail, and thinking about voting for Liz Trust. Lost trust. That's what that's what he's going to be doing this week. We need a strong personality as a chairman, as a spokesman. And Peter Law is that strong character, but it's completely and utterly the wrong look for the club to bring him back as chairman. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. There's just after while we're talking about the sort of upper positions, what happened? I remember when Celtic when we got Ange and we're looking at the rebuild, Celtic were all the talk was about a director of football. What happened there? Who are we going to get a director of football? Is that still in the plans, or did that leave that idea leave with Dominic Mackay? 
I, I don't know. The director of football was maybe just fired out there. I'm going to bring up David Ferguson's comment here because I'm, go, I'm going to actually, my paranoia is going to get more palpable here. I sometimes believe that the director of football thing was just fired out there to placate the fans. Just sort of uh, trying to hit as many buzzwords as possible. Uh, just try to hit yeah. as many buzzwords as possible. And then you've got Ange Postacoglu, who seems to have been trying to do everything. Have we now got a director of football in Mark Wall, who's coming as to scout up the head, uh, to be the head of scouting? Do we actually need a director of football then? Yeah. Well, uh, if Mark Law wasn't there, he wouldn't have went. His expertise was in sort of South American market when he was at Celtic. So... If Mark Law wasn't there, I don't think we signed Burnaby. I don't think you see us getting linked with Vinicius Souza and Fausto Vera. I think the the, the South American because Celtic hadn't signed a South American player before Mark Law came in, so I think we're already seeing his effects there. Ah, uh, well, I think he only started this week. I think it was the first of August that Man City were letting him go. It was just this week, but. He's maybe been doing work in, in the background. Uh, I'm just going to, before I block this person, here he comes. Timothy McNary comes in to say, we are the plebs. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Timothy, for spending your lunchtime or sitting waiting on your gyro, um, sitting waiting in the dole queue watching a Celtic podcast. Thank you very much. And I'll just block you as well, so... I don't um, think I'd ever see a Rangers fan look at the spread 50 minutes listening to me and Kevin Graham, but here we no. are. No, no, no. Uh, oh, there he is. I'm just going to block him there the now. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know, Chris M comes in and, 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 and he's going to need to uh, expand on this. If anyone knows what Peter Wall said to a journalist 10 years ago in America when Celtic played Real Madrid, justifies Kev's paranoia, which isn't paranoia. Chris M, you've got me paranoid about my paranoia. So <laughs> if, if, you, if you want to expand on that, 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 would, be, that, that would be great. Um, aye, sorry, Barry, you're right. Come on, being on the dole shouldn't be used as an insult. No, it shouldn't. I'm, 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 I do apologise about that. Uh, on his lunch, sure. Aye, def- definitely. James McCarthy in Sunderland. What do you think? Well, I was one of the people that was of the opinion that the, the James McCarthy signing was a mistake in the first place. I think he'd been injured, permanently injured for years. He was 31. They hadn't played proper football in years. And we automatically gave him a four-year deal, which I thought was pretty mind-boggling. But he was one of the victims of the fact that he wasn't fit come the start of the season so when we're still trying to find our sort of starting first team that first team gets settled we had a very strong midfield that wasn't going to be displaced anytime soon so by the time McCarthy got fit he was already sort of outcast from the squad so there wasn't really any space for him to make room to get into the Celtic team and when he sort of got the opportunity he didn't really do anything so out of this world to impress where he would get in over a Turnbull a Hattati a Matt O'Reilly but I feel like it's just sort of about the right time he should leave. Alan Robertson's bang on there. I think James McCarthy was a Dermot Desmond signing because it wasn't really logical. It's not logical to sign a player like him for a four-year deal considering the sort of last two years he'd had before he came to Celtic. Aye, it is. 
what, I, what I'm pleased about that McCarthy's maybe seen it himself and he knows it's not going to work out and he and he's still got that hunger and desire to actually move on and he's just not going to hang around because he is a Celtic supporter and he, he's been for what we've been told that he's quite liked in the dressing room and that but I'm quite glad he's still got that fire in his belly uh, like that he wants to still play football and he maybe knows that it's not going to happen at Celtic it hasn't worked out for him he, he, he came he came on the back of a serious injury, he had missed pre-season. He never really made an impact this season. This pre-season as well, there's loads of guys in front of him, guys who have done really, really well. And I think he sees themselves that it's just not going to work out for him at the club. And good luck to him if he ends up going to Sunderland. Really, I, I, I do wish him well. Uh, he's probably a guy that I wish we had signed five years ago. But it's yeah. the right club, wrong time, James. Well, I think that's the same. Sorry, I, I just thought it was a pretty logical, a logical signing. It wasn't. I couldn't really see the benefit from it because he wasn't fit when we signed him anyway, and we already had sort of plentiful good midfielders there. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 there was not really any space for James McCarthy to get into the team. But I just wanted to show you this quote I saw from Ange Postecoglou from today. It's not aimed oh, at right. James McCarthy. I don't think because he's a Celtic fan, but. This is coming for Craig Selt that I found it from. When Andrew was asked how he keeps his players happy after not getting as much game time as they'd like, and said, they're at Celtic Football Club. If that is not happiness for them, I don't know what is. They can find it somewhere else. It's not my job to keep them happy. My job is to make sure that we get the best out of them and give them every opportunity. And they will all get opportunities. They know that. I just thought that was a fantastic quote from Andrew Postcoglu. You're at Celtic. You've got the adulation of 60,000 fans and a global audience. Is that not Enough? So it would be, be enough for me and you, James. Uh, it would be it would be enough for me and you. And he's talking like a he's talking like I would uh, he's talking the way I would want an ambassador of the club the, a club to speak. Going, this, is, the, the, this is the best place in the world where you're where you're going to where you're playing football. Yeah, he's a sort of player that you want to be a spokesperson for the club because he speaks so well. Ange came over from Australia. And he was already a better representative for Celtic in the media and the public eye than Neil Lennon, who had been associated with Celtic for maybe 15, 16 years, was. And that says everything to know about the type of man Ange Postecoglou is. Let's um, wrap up, James. And you're right, Ange Postecoglou, what he says is right, it's what I believe. And I'll say to guys like Matt O'Reilly, and that if Matt O'Reilly watches this, I mean, I'm sure he does, I'm sure he he watches this for the music chat, um, that Celtic Park will be, Celtic will be the best club that he ever plays for. And I'll say that to Kyogo, and I'll say that to any player that joins Celtic. If you get Celtic right, Celtic will be the best club that you love or play for, and you and you will always regret moving on, no matter the money. Maybe Virgil Van Dijk will maybe have a wee argument with that, but I'll I'll have a conversation with Virgil about that as well. Brian Wells comes in and says, "Remember the time you lost two nothing away to Shakhtar Karagandi? It's not insurmountable." He's talking about uh, the Rangers result last night. There, I remember that as well. Uh, and Chris Commons just scoring just before half time set us up. Samaras four minutes. The absolute belter in that game. Was it Commons or Samaras? Commons scored the absolute belter just before half-time. Samaras equalised the tie four minutes into the second half and James Forrest scored the winner. As I said, two nuts. Running away, then right to the corner flag to jump in the final. 
Uh, uh, I would have loved to be. I would have loved to be in the crowd for that game. I was there. I was there. Great, but great, but a skull by Anthony Stokes. It set up James Forrest. An absolutely fantastic, but a skill by Anthony Stokes. Uh, Liam Callow, I got last season's home kit for nineteen pound fifty of JD Sports. If anybody's looking for last season's That's home kit, bargain. that is a great bargain. Is this this is for Martin Lewis's money saving podcast? I think. Uh, Chris M answers me. Peter Waller reported to have expressed his frustration at Rangers FC being kicked out of the league as it meant lost revenue. Three Champions League campaigns in 10 years, that's lost revenue. Well, there is a rumour that when Rangers went bust that Celtic's perfect solution was for them to get put back into the top flight. Completely handicapped. Uh, with restrictions and transfer embargoes and and point deductions and stuff like that, so that's that could be well true, Chris. Thanks for answering that. And Alex Burrow, you're quite right, Alex. That the hole was getting deeper, mate. I've had I've had a few holes the day to actually dig myself out. Of, so it's time for me to leave yous. And uh, thanks for joining. Please give us a thumbs up and a like. Uh, Please, please give us a thumbs up and a like and subscribe. Uh, subscribe if you subscribe. If you hit the subscribe, I don't care what Doc James you take the notification bell. So whenever we go live, you'll get a notification straight to your phone telling us that we've went live. And any of the other uploads that come up on the State of Mind channel, you'll get notified straight to your phone. There we go. I'll leave the last word to James. Thanks very much, lads and, and lads and lasses, and I'll see you all later. And remember, don't be bams to each other. Eh? phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 
Sports Social Podcast Network.